He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And we have a great show for you guys today. We're going to talk more John Rom going to live fallout in this first segment. Then in the second segment, we're going to discuss something we've discussed in the past, which is the USGA planning to roll the golf ball back in 2028. And then we will also dive in a little bit to the PNC Championship, possibly seeing Tiger Woods and Charlie Woods in action, but there's a possibility we might not. Stay tuned and see why that might not happen later on in the show. T-Dub, Woody, what's up, guys? I mean, a lot has happened in this quote-unquote off-season of golf. Last week, we talked about the fact that Flushing It had reported that John Rahm was going to live, so we were a little bit ahead of the curve. Then, obviously, since our last show, it became official that John Rahm was, in fact, headed to live and it seems like the world is ending, especially on the PGA Tour side. T-Dub, what are your thoughts about some of the fallout over this past week? Well, as we correctly prognosticated on our last show, it seemed like the writing was on the wall with Rom going to make the move to live. It wasn't 100% done yet. The paperwork had not been signed. It had made the major announcement he was on CNBC and all those things. They had his nice to live Leatherman jacket on. That was a pretty interesting look for him to go with. And. <clears throat> You know, Woody, we were kind of talking about this earlier before the break. I feel like the biggest thing that comes out of this is that it would be an utter miracle and a shock if the PGA Tour and Live were going to be able to come to a merger in, what, today is December 12th. So we're looking at 19 more days we have to get something done before the end of the year. I do not see that happening, but I also didn't see June 6th happening. So maybe there's going to be a lot of things that get done. Maybe the pressure of the deadline coming up will intensify and make these make every party realize, hey, we, maybe we should go ahead and get this done for the betterment of, well, it's going to be for their pocketbooks is what they want. But hopefully for golf, ends up being done. But Woody, I think, live, go, or I'm sorry, Rom going to live is a clear sign at this stage of the game that I'm not sure a merger is going to get done anytime soon. I don't know how they could, guys. I mean, they've had six months, almost six months, and have done nothing, and now they're going to do everything in 15, 18 days. Um, I, I just don't see it. I, I, I think it's still, I think, if if we could if we could figure it out, it'd be cool. But I think this is a, a everybody's in such a mess right now. I don't think the PGA Tour knows exactly what they want. I'm not sure Lib knows exactly what they want either. To be honest with you guys, and I just I don't know what's going on with these two parties, but they seem really far apart to me. I don't see this getting done in any way. It really doesn't look like it, fellas. And this move, to me, almost certainly means that they didn't come to some sort of agreement. Liv is trying to now end the PGA Tour until the PGA Tour gives in, right? I think that they are going for the top players like they planned on doing before these negotiations started. And now... The PGA Tour, without ROM especially, has zero leverage. Remember, they promised their sponsors that no one will leave 
Then Rom left. They promised their sponsors that everyone who was at those Delaware players meetings last year would be in these PGA Tour signature events in 2024. And now these sponsors are about to be extremely upset. And the PGA Tour is going to have massive money issues like we prognosticated that would happen if they didn't come to an agreement. That's why we thought that it was smart of the PGA Tour to try to merge with Liv. Unfortunately, now we're kind of at a standoff, and Liv is most certainly winning the standoff considering they got maybe the best golfer in the world to come to Liv, T-Dub. Well, it's, it's sort of a very similar to like when Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, right? It's not only are you getting a good player, but you're also taking a great player away from your competitor, and that that's really going to be the biggest damage. Like I said, the PGA Tour is just keeps losing those, those big names we all know this, right? What he's played on the PGA Tour is attested this numerous times. The PGA Tour only cares about the big-name players. And you, there's 10 or 15 of them at most that actually draw people in and they want to see. You have your occasional veterans who are washed up that people still want to go see. But at the same time, you're talking about guys who are in their prime elite players. There's not very many of them. And John Rahm is the cream of the top when it comes to the absolute potential that a golfer has. He does every single aspect of the game so well. Only about a calendar year ago now, he was playing some of the best golf that has ever been played in the history of the game, not even just modern era. That's how good he was playing at the start of last year. So, yeah, it's the fact he's not going to be a PGA Tour. Then you have the whole sponsorship, Woody. We had Wells Fargo drop this last week. They're not going to renew after 2025, I believe, for the Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow. So they're just going like flies now, Woody. And it's, we had AT&T do it last year. We don't have sponsors coming in. You're running out of money. You can only do it for so long, and if you, unless you get some private investors, unless you get Tiger Woods, like Tiger Woods involved, and people like that to stake take some claim in it, it's not going to last as long as people think it will. No, it can it, it can fold a lot quicker than you guys think it can. I promise you, and it's because what we've always said: follow the money. If if there's no money for those guys to play for on the PGA Tour, or their money is not as substantial as what Liv is putting out there. This could get, this could change so rapidly, guys. I just don't think we really fully can grasp how quickly things could turn really bad. So I'm really shocked that I don't think that will happen because I don't think Tiger will let it happen. He, he's going to have to get involved in it in a big way, especially as far as getting another private entity. If they can't get a deal with Liv, they better get a deal with somebody that's going to put enough money behind the tour that these guys are playing for close to or at least near what they're doing on live. Yeah, exactly right. And now the PGA Tour has to deal with the fact that Liv is even more legitimized. I mean, fellas, the COVID shutdown seems like yesterday back in 2020, and now Liv has seven major championships since 2020 of current Liv players, players that will be on Liv in 2024. Seven different major championships were won by current Liv players since 2020, fellas. That's seven out of the last 16. Liv is being more legitimized, which also means that there could be a legitimate possibility of Liv getting a better TV deal or Liv getting more legitimate sponsorships into the future. And that's just all more bad news for the PGA Tour. 
I don't know how the PGA Tour is going to respond to this and what we're hearing from outlets like Sports Illustrated if Patrick Cantlay is the saving grace for the PGA Tour in negotiations now that Jimmy Dunn is out and they obviously won't talk to Monaghan. Rory's off the PGA Tour policy board. Now we're up to Patrick Cantlay, you know, (laughs) negotiating with the PIF. I think I know who I'm going to take in that negotiation, fellas. It's kind of coming down to what we said that, look, yes, the PGA Tour might at the end of the day control the new look PGA Tour, but it's going to be under Yasser's rules that he sets forth in that framework agreement. And I think they're standing firm on those, and they are basically saying, we'll keep poaching your players until you agree to the rules that we set forth. Well, let's just think of this from a game theory perspective, right? So, of the players on the PGA Tour we were alluding to earlier, who are the ones that are going to actually draw people to watch. You have your Schefflers, your Hovlands, your Rory's, Morikawa, Shoffley, Cantlay, Max Homa. Justin Thomas. Tommy Fleetwood. Mate, Justin Thomas may be in there. Jordan Spieth's in there. Tony Finau, I would include him. Then you have the likes of, like, one thing the PGA Tour is very lucky for that Ricky Fowler started to play some good golf last year because if he was still hardly qualifying for major championships, that would not be good for them because a lot of people want to go watch Rory play and so really after that even someone like Brian Harmon who's the reigning Open champion and Wyndham Clark who's the reigning U.S. Open champion absolutely great players and we love to watch them play but you're not seeing a whole lot of kids go out and say let's go watch Wyndham Clark or Brian, Brian Harmon play just because they're not necessarily as polarizing as some as the other players are so the point of that is is that if Liv says let's give and people are wondering like is Rom worth 300 million dollars or 400 million dollars how much ever did you include with the team equity that he got from it? Is he worth that? Is any golfer worth that besides maybe Tiger Woods? That's a question that could be had. But what Liv is saying is that we'll pay the extra money now, get him off the PJ Tour so that speeds up the process of the PJ Tour is going to, to dwindle away. So if they could just, any of those players I just mentioned, if they can somehow get one to two even more just to keep coming like this, that's just going to drain the funnel even that much faster. Then you have the likes of a, a Ludwig Aberg who has the potential to be extremely polarizing. We'll see if the P- if he's going to bribe the PGA Tour. If maybe Liv will come in with a massive deal for him. And, and then you had like Will right, Dallas who's come back hey, to the T-Dub, back injury. T-Dub, stop right there because now even today we saw that the PGA Tour is now extending the PGA Tour U and giving five more spots to the Corn Ferry Tour next year. The PGA Tour is mortified at you know the vision that Liv might have of poaching these college players and getting these college players to come to Liv instead of the PGA Tour. I just wanted to throw that in there since you mentioned Obert. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and it's something that should have been done a long time ago, and unfortunately it took Liv coming in to speed up the equation. But, but yeah, Woody, that, that's the whole way I look at it is, is that the reason they give Rom so much money is that they know the impact it'll have from him becoming away from the PJ Tour. It's not necessarily the value that he's going to bring to them currently. It's going to be what the value that he they take away from their main competitor, which is what a lot of people are asking why he got so much money. Well, what we're talking about here, guys, is pretty – Pretty easy to look at. It's one thing to have a few players. It's another thing to just keep getting them. Okay, and what you guys just said. If you if you look at Brooks Kepka, uh, you know Bryson DeChambeau, Cam Smith. Now you've got John Rahm. Uh, Mickelson was a major champion. It's been a while, but if you look at those four guys I named before, Mickelson, these are. These are stars, man. These are stars. Uh, what is Taylor Gooch going to become? We don't know that for sure, but he's sure showing signs of it. So it's going to get, 
I guess what we really got to watch is, is there going to be anybody else in the next three, four, five weeks that we call a name player? Be now, we thought might do it, and he's back down now. But just about the time you think everything's kind of quieted, it goes crazy again. So I'm going to tell you, they've still got stuff up their sleeve. Lib, Lib is not going to quit poaching PGA players until they get their deal that they want with the PGA Tour. It's just not going to happen. No doubt about it. You mentioned Finau. He did post on his Instagram that he is planning on being at the Century in Maui. Um, so that means he will be on the PGA Tour next year unless something changes. Something can change within 24 hours, of, as we've seen in this story. Other guys that have been prognosticated to possibly go and be on John Rahm's team. Terrell Hatton uh, is a name that has been floated around throughout this past week. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go. Either way, John Rahm is going to want to have a competitive team on live. I don't care how much money guaranteed John Rahm just got. And it, this is the argument from the beginning on this whole live deal. These guys only care about money, so why should they care about making money on the golf course, right? It, it contradicts itself. So John Rahm is going to want to have as competitive of a team as possible, which means in my mind, at least, that we are going to see some other big names come join John Rahm on his new live team. I, I would be shocked if we didn't see that, to be honest, T-Dub. There definitely will will be some players. It'll be interesting to see. There'll probably be even a few kind of middle of the pack guys. Like last year, there was a Brendan Steele and like Dean Burmester has come a long way through the end of this year. You'll have some players like that who are going to leave. Thomas Peters left after last year as well. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that. A player who I, I have no, there's no rumors about him and I don't necessarily know if he would do it, but someone who lives should try to go get is Minwoo Lee. He's a guy who could completely take over the game with how far he hits the ball and he's with how good of a last ball that he, he had uh, winning twice in the last was it two months or so finishing third also down at the Australian Open only 25 years old I think he would be a player that that would fit live perfectly to a team is he going to go I don't know but I don't necessarily see him as having an abundance of loyalty to the PJ Tour so be interesting to see how that works out. But yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of people, Woody, and even some of the bigger names who we talk about, maybe not necessarily going to polarize the field. You're going to have a lot of good players who are going to go over there and take some guaranteed money. And like I said last time, I don't see why every player doesn't do it how unloyal the PJ Tour show they were over this last year. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't think I'd be that loyal to the PGA Tour. They've really still nothing. They've shown me nothing really that they're doing uh, that's going to make these guys say, yeah, I'm going to stay with you, okay? So, John Rom, you got – Sam, you're right. He's got to fill his team, okay? That means he's got to find three guys. John Rom's not going to take one of the guys that went through qualifying school, okay? He's not going to do that. He is going to get three solid players, maybe one more superstar, if he does – Wow, 2024 has just changed totally. I I think the PGA Tour is then going to be in a world of hurt unless they can find some kind of funding. You guys mentioned loyalty right there. So let's get to Rory McIlroy, who had many things to say after this John Rahm news came out. First thing Rory did was talk to at Mirror Sport and said this. He said, quote, I'm going to miss competing against John Rahm week in and week out. 
He is such a good player. He has so much talent. He is so tenacious and was a great teammate at the Ryder Cup. I have nothing but good things to say about John. I respect the hell out of him as a golfer. He seems like he wants to live his life the right way. He wants to be a good dad, good husband. You can't judge someone for making a decision that is best for them. But then he goes on to say, I would like to think that the Ryder Cup means as much to them as it does to me. Maybe it does. But knowing what the consequences could be, I just could never make that decision. Okay, it might not be 100% certain talking about John Rahm not being in the Ryder Cup, but there is that possibility that that could be the outcome. It just isn't a move that I would be willing to make. I thought they felt the same way. And then about 30 minutes later, it's almost like he got a phone call from someone powerful because his next quote to Sky Sports was, John Rahm is going to be at Bethpage in 2025. Because of this decision, the European Tour are going to have to rewrite the rules for Ryder Cup eligibility. I mean, a 30-minute flip-flop from Rory McIlroy right there. And Rory wasn't done. Rory then went on to Twitter and said the best thing that ever happened to the 2023 European Ryder Cup team was the fact that Henrik Stinson was not the captain because he went to live. A lot of strong words there from one Rory McIlroy then Alan Shipnuck today reports that a former Ryder Cup teammate of Rory McElroy says this, F Rory, I'm so sick of hearing about how he's some kind of hero who is saving golf. He's bought and paid for just like everyone else. It's just that his money is coming from the other side. Did you know that when Whoop, the company, wanted to do a deal with the PGA Tour. The tour insisted that Rory be one of the endorsers. He was given $10 million equity stake that is now worth $200 million. How do you think he got his own deal with NBC? The tour brokered that too. The tour is so reliant on Rory now that they've even given him his own league, the TGL, even though... It will compete with the tour for viewers and advertisers. Rory's fighting so hard for the tour because he wants to preserve his revenue streams, not because he cares about the tour itself. That he is being upheld as some kind of savior on Twitter and by all the fanboys with their shitty podcasts tell you how little people really understand what's going on in the world of golf that we currently live in. Strong words from an anonymous former Ryder Cup teammate of Rory McIlroy. What are your thoughts about Rory McIlroy over this past week, T-Dub? What's funny listening to everything that's transpired over this last week with Rory, I feel like I'm listening to our show the last two years. We've been saying every single thing that was just said. And now, thankfully, after June 6th, it broke the dam and people are now starting to see what should have been right in front of their eyes the whole time. Thinking that that anyone on the PJ Tour is actually doing every decision they make for the game of golf. Not even Tiger Woods is making every single decision solely based on the game of golf. It is a financial-based decision. Obviously, Rory McIlroy has been doing the exact same thing. Every single player has been doing it. I don't know why it took so long for a lot of people now seeing. You're still going to have the fanboys who are going to say, oh, no, there's no way. Rory's just blah, 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 blah. That. Look, if you like Rory, I still love Rory when it comes on the golf course. I would love to see him win a major championship again. I truly would. But what he does off the course is crazy to me. 
But as you mentioned, the 30-minute flip-flop, he 100% had to have gotten a call at some point. And what an absolute joke it would have been if they tried to find some way to say John Rahm wasn't going to be on the Ryder Cup. I would have absolutely loved it as an American because it would have greatly heightened our chances of, of winning. And then Woody also, too, the Europeans are very thankful that they were able to win and Luke Donald looked like a very good captain because Rory can go out and say them things like that because if they weren't able to go out and back it up, and they somehow did lose for the first time in, what was it, 30 years on home soil, that would have been a really bad look, and it would have made Hendrick Stenson look a lot better than Rory painted him out to be. Hey, we, Hendrick took – all these guys that didn't get a chance to play the Ryder Cup, whether it was DeChambeau, Gooch, Hendrick being a captain, because of Liv, is sad. Because when when all the dust settles, you're going to find just what you just said, T-Dub. And at some point, I'm going to go out on a limb. Uh, Sam, you, you write this down somewhere for me. By the end of the year, uh, T-Dub's not going to be a Rory fan. And if he is, he's a dumb <laughs> shit. Okay? Because the guy is worthless. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those, Woody. I can vouch for that. Okay. Because you, you got to quit saying I'm a Rory fan. Because you shouldn't be. There's nothing about the guy that's helping golf. There's a lot about Rory helping Rory. Uh, but, uh, like we guys... We need about another six months to figure out what all this is going to do because we don't know, and we're we're kind of throwing darts, but we are throwing darts in a pretty good direction because we've been throwing them that way. Like T-Dub said, when we started way back when, when Colby called us all everything bad for being live guys, have anything we've really said not become what happened? Think about it for a while. I'd like to go back and listen to all our shows because <laughs> – but we were conspiracy theorists with the with the tin foil hats back then, Woody. It, we we weren't that far off, guys. We really were not, and we were we we were seeing what we knew was going to happen, and everybody else just stuck their head in the sand. Okay, that's what they've been doing. Well, you know, reality check time. It's it's here. It's real. This is getting ugly. Even our buddy Brandel Chambly said, "We got to figure this out." <laughs> we'll get to Brandel in a How second. About that? But but Woody, the reason yeah. why people are shocked by all of this all of the sudden who haven't been listening to podcasts like ours that have been fair following the entire story it's because let me remind people that most of these golf outlets whether it be ESPN, CBS, NBC or some of these other podcasts their paychecks are directly dependent on the success of the PGA Tour. Ours is not, so we were able to tell the complete story without fear of being, quote-unquote, fired, right? True. Very true. But when we talk about Brandle, let's get to Brandle. So, Brandle, right when this story came out of John Rahm going to live, Brandle said, quote, he sold his career out. Everyone is finally realizing that the biggest hypocrite in this whole ordeal is Brandel Chambly because of what I just said to Woody. Their paychecks, Brandel's paycheck is directly dependent on the success of the tour. So is Rory's paycheck. No one had any loyalty to the good of the game of golf. This has always been about money on both sides. And for Brandel to 
drag good people's names through the mud like a Taylor Gooch or like a Charles Howell III that everyone loves is just sickening to me. And I love it that Brandel Chambly is finally being realized for the scumbag that he is, T-Dub. Well, sort of like I was saying earlier with the Rory stuff. We've been saying this forever, and now all of a sudden people are just now finally realizing it, which is, that's the biggest mystery to me, is like, really, how does it take you this long to see what should have been right in front of your face the entire time? That You, th- you really think that anytime you're dealing, this, this, is a, this right here is the big problem that people get into. They think that one side is all about greed and one side is all pure. And for whatever reason, the PJ Tour has this symbolism of pure because they were trying to rip these guys going and then also rip the Saudis for what they do as a country, and so be it. But at the same time, you think that the other side isn't trying to make their pockets bigger, and you think that their decision-making isn't based more heavily than any other factor is based on money? You're absolutely ludicrous. And like I said, Woody, I don't know why the hell it took people so long to finally realizing what should have been right in front of their da- what was right in front of their damn face for a very long time. It was there. It was there. Just everybody just didn't want to really look at it. It was easy to call out the Saudis. It was easy to, you know, throw the 9-11 out there again, because we know in America how touchy a subject that is. That was the best way to for the PGA Tour to fight it, okay? Throw up controversy all the time. I know we, we don't talk politics, but I remember when Donald Trump was president, and he'd do something off, off crazy like he'd do all the time. And the Democrats would want to get really mad at him. Before he could get, they could get on him on that, he went and did something crazy down the road. You know what I mean? He kept throwing up another smoke screen. And another, another, so, oh, hey, we weren't done talking to you about this. Well, yeah, I've moved on. So that's, what, that's what's been going on with the PGA Tour. It's, oh, man, now, well, we got to stop that because – now they're talking about, this. oh, we got to go do this. Now we got to, and the whole time, all they've done is go in a big circle, guys, circling what? Circle the money, circle the money. We can't lose our money. And they keep losing their money. That's why they're panicking right now. They got to find some money. And I'm not sure it's going to be with Yasser. No doubt. And the media and the PGA Tour both had a hand in John Rom going to live because they did treat Rory McIlroy like royalty when John Rahm throughout much of the start of last year was having a better year. He was the Masters champion who, oh, by the way, I might mention that Iman Lynch, he's not safe in this show either. He had an article on Masters Sunday after the third round of the Masters on Saturday. On Sunday morning, he wrote an article titled, A Live Win at the Masters Would Be a Pain for the PGA Tour, But It Won't Save the Saudi Circuit. Guess what? John Rahm actually won the Masters, and he went to the Saudi Circuit, and now the PGA Tour is in a world of hurt. We're just seeing the hypocrisy of the whole situation. I don't get fired up because I want to be right, fellas. I got fired up over this whole controversy, Live versus PGA Tour, this whole last couple years because I just saw that the real story wasn't being told. No, it wasn't being told at all. And as you mentioned earlier, at one point in time, we were the tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists. And what happens a lot of times is conspiracy theories become true. And then we're at the point now to where everyone's starting to realize that what we're saying was all pretty close to 100% accurate. And so now we're sort of relishing in the fact of, you know, what do we do from here? And I'm one of those people where it's like, 
Like, if you predict the apocalypse is going to come, are you going to be sitting there on Twitter with everyone dead except yourself tweeting, ha, ha, I was right. See, look at this. You know, like, that's not a good thing for humanity. That's not a good thing for life in general. So has what we predicted been good for the game of golf and the future of it? Up to this point, I think that it has. The problem is, is that it could go so many different ways from here that the bottom level of how bad it could go, it could completely ruin golf. And then we're going to talk next segment about the biggest thing that could ruin golf and the distance ball rollback, which I would have a massively more impact, in my opinion, than what this PGA Tour lift stuff will. But Woody, it could go so many different ways, but I at least feel like that it's been a lot of chaos the last couple of years, but I feel like overall a lot of good things have been done for golf. Well, I think, I think this has opened a lot of people's eyes to what is really going on. How big a monopoly the PGA Tour really was, guys. It was a total monopoly. It was nothing but that, okay? They can tell me it wasn't, but I know better. It was a monopoly. And now you've got somebody like Lev that has shown that, that, that it's really shown its face to say you are in the monopoly and we don't like it. So what what has to come of this and what we've all hoped is going to come of this is we got to find a way. And I read an article the other day where uh, Gary McCord was saying something to the fact, and I hope he's right. And I, I think he will be right. He said, basically, guys, we're going to find a tour out there that's going to have 50 guys that play, I'd say 15 events in the four majors. And that's what they do. They play 19 or maybe 20 events. And then we're going to roll out of those guys. There'll be another 25 come in and out and in and out. And it might be more than that, but he thinks that's where it's going to be. And in a funny kind of way, that's what I think is going to all come down with this guys. I think you might have 50 to 75 guys that they're going to be the, the, the golfers, as we know. They're going to be the best players in the world. They're going to make a lot of money, and you're going to have to figure out how you can roll on to that tour. And if not, there'll be a little secondary tour. It won't be called Corn Ferry. It'll be called something else because it'll even be stronger than any possible tour you've ever seen. The secondary tour that will feed that 50 to 75 guys will be an unbelievable tour also. But you guys were right. We need to see superstars. That's what people like to watch, and that's what we're going to have to get to. we got to find a way to get superstars. Well, and I think that that's inevitable, that you're going to see the superstars compete together again because millions and millions of dollars will be left on the table if they don't find a way for both the top live players and the top PGA Tour players to compete on a more regular basis than four times a year. What have we done this whole time in this whole live discussion? Follow the money and they will be leaving millions of dollars on the table if they don't make that happen in the future. The last thing, fellas, before we hit a break here on the 73rd Hole podcast, I want to talk about what this means immediately for John Rahm. Obviously, he says he wants to still play in the Ryder Cup, which it sounds like he will, and that he also wants to play a certain amount of PGA Tour events. Obviously, I don't think that that's going to happen, but he has to say that because that allows him to say that the PGA Tour banned me. I didn't want to leave the PGA Tour as a whole. I wanted to just be an independent contractor, play live events, play the PGA Tour events I want to play in. That was the whole lawsuit from the beginning if they ever have to go back into uh, some sort of lawsuit between the live PIF and the PGA Tour. Um, the other things this means is basically Callaway will continue to sponsor John Rahm and he's advised live executives to tweak the format a bit. And so we haven't seen 
what the format will specifically be. We've seen where the tournaments are going to be. We haven't seen if they're going to tweak the format a little bit. Obviously, still going to have the team format in live because obviously John Rahm says that he's going to have equity in his own team on live. And then obviously, we do not know who's joining John Rahm yet. He just smiled and said, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So, T Dub, any thoughts on what it means? in the immediate future right now for John Rom. Yeah, the odds of him playing any PJ Tour event coming up, unless there is merger news, is I think 0.0. That's just not going to happen. He's going to play the live events. He's going to play the four majors. I think it'll be interesting to see is he going to play the DP World events that he played in. Last year he played in the DP World Tour Championship. Obviously he played in the Open Day of Spania and then the BMW PGA at Wentworth. So I think that'll be a question to see if he ends up playing those as well. So in all honesty, Woody... A lot of people make it out to be like these guys' schedule changed an abundant amount, and I don't think it really does a whole lot. Besides playing the PGA Tour, you play primarily in the United States, and then on the on live, you're playing around the world, so that's a little bit of a difference, and there are different time gaps, so you don't necessarily get to plan your schedule. But as far as the overall, the absolute landscape change for John Rom, I don't think it's going to change a whole lot, and he may actually play better because he's going to be spending a lot more time with his family, and then maybe that'll lead to him even having just, if he can have just even closer to a good a year started last year as he would be, it's going to be a great thing for Liv. And being able to watch him, Cam Smith, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Taylor Gooch battle out, it's going to be very, very cool to see. Oh, I think it'll be, uh, I think Rom will play just live events and the majors because that's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to play 25 events. He wants to play about 20 events. That's about what this will be. If he plays a full live schedule, and he plays the four majors, and what will that put him at, uh, 18? And so he might throw a couple others in there, but he's going to do exactly what he said he wanted to do. I want to cut my schedule back, spend more time with my family, and make as much money, if not more. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen, guys. T-Dub, how many tournaments did John Rom play last year? Because I feel like 18 can't be that much less than he played last year. Maybe I'm wrong. In 2023, he played 24 events, but that counts the three events that he played in the fall. So you're actually looking at 21 events. So yeah, you're three more events. That's really not that monumental. That's less than no. that's one. Let's that's less than one a season. Less than right. one every three months. That's kind of my point. They just get a little bit longer off season being on live. It's not like they're playing right. that much less. It's that the breaks at the end of the season are a little bit longer. Right, right. But yeah, and, and with the want. exception of, you know, I was just going to say, with the exception of, what, I don't even know, did he play the Scottish Open this year? I don't think Rom did play the Scottish Open this year. So, like, for example, on Liv, you might have to play the week before a major championship when you wouldn't want to. So it may, forces you in a schedule situation that you wouldn't want to be in. So right. maybe that'll happen this year. But but other than that, no. The, the actual amount of golf being played is not that big. No doubt about it. And I also wanted to say this to end the segment here. Now we really do have two top tours, the PGA Tour and Live. Or really, you could say the two top tours are the signature events on the PGA Tour and Live. Then 
minor league golf is almost 70 to 150 on the PGA Tour. Then a step down from that, you could argue whether it's the Corn Ferry Tour or the DP World Tour. The DP World Tour becoming more of a feeder tour by the day. Um, unless they somehow allow live guys to play in the future, I see the Corn Ferry Tour having stronger fields at times than even the DP World Tour, especially, especially in the summertime. So, fellas, the landscape of professional golf not only just with Live and the PGA Tour, but it's changing in all levels of golf. Well, it's just like you mentioned, the, the DP World Tour is now essentially, your, it's a European version of the Corn Ferry Tour. The field's going to be very comparable. A lot of times, Corn Ferry's going to have better fields. And so it's completely changed. Now Live has completely asserted itself as a clear number two. And is, uh, now they got around a lot closer to, to being close to number one than they were just two weeks ago. So, yeah, the landscape of golf keeps changing. And where it goes from here, Woody, I don't know. I just pray whenever I lay down in bed at night that it's going to be good for the game of golf. And deep down, I think that the golf gods will not allow this to go catastrophically wrong. And at least that's the way that I hope that it is. I think by the middle of 2024, we'll have this all figured out in a pretty good way of where we're going, whether the PGA Tour does something with uh, this uh, – live and the Saudis and all that, or they go to a separate entity of a private type of entity comes in. I think they've got to write their shit. They got to get this thing where it's not looking so discombobulated. They got to get back on all of them on the same page. And I think they'll do that. They could do it pretty quick. And I think they will, because if they don't, Oh boy, this is going to get crazy then. So well, well, I wish we could look ahead six months and see, but I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. I think it's going to, I think it's going to ride itself. We'll just have to watch. We will just have to watch. The other thing you guys have to tune into is golfoklahoma.org. Kim McLeod and Chris Swafford doing a great job covering local golf in the state of Oklahoma and the surrounding states doing awesome stuff to cover these local tournaments, whether it be the mid-ams or the stroke plays or whatever it may be in the surrounding areas of Oklahoma, they have you covered. So if you want to see all the local golf news, tune in to golfoklahoma.org and read those articles and see those great videos on golfoklahoma.org. You can also catch our podcast at the 73rd hole on X and at 73rd hole on Instagram and we're also on thesportsanimal.com as well as golfoklahoma.org. Let's hit a break here on the 73rd hole. After the break, we're talking rolling the golf ball back. I'm sure this is going to get good coming up after the break here on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd hole. Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at mccrayroofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000.
here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. T-Dub, I am deferring to you on this one because you are our resident equipment golf technology guy, and so I don't understand how the USGA plans to roll this golf ball back, but they just announced the decision to revise golf ball testing conditions beginning in 2028. Please, before we kind of argue whether this is a good or bad idea, would you please educate all of us and let us know how they are revising the golf ball testing? Well, there's no doubt that it's absolutely a horrible idea, but we're going to get into that going forward. So essentially, it's how they actually manufacture the ball is what it boils down to, but at the end of the day, what they're going to do is whenever they test a golf ball to figure out if it's going to conform to what the USGA and RNA consider as a quality, a, a conforming golf ball, they tested it. The, currently, they tested the swing of 120 miles an hour. And then so they get the numbers off of that and they see that the ball goes 317 yards with this amount of launch and this spin and that. But what they're going to do is they're now going to increase that testing speed in 2028 they're going to increase it from 120 to 125 miles an hour which means that if that ball is hot enough off the high of the faster speed then it has to be reduced so you're going to they're essentially what they're trying to do is to make the ball going to go the same distance for 120 mile an hour swing speed as it will for 125 mile an hour swing speed with the new ball so it's like i said woody we, we can dive into how how absolutely ludicrous and stupid this is so they've gone down anyone who's listened to this show knows how much i oppose it go ahead yeah, go so real quick go into how much that it would hurt a professional in their mind and then how much it would hurt an amateur as far as distance goes it, as far as what they're saying we've heard keegan bradley come out and say that that's a load of bs but how much are they saying that pros will be docked distance wise so it's saying here three to 15 yards for the longest hitters on the PGA Tour, which are going to have upwards of higher than 180 mile per hour ball speed. Nine to 11 yards for the average professional. Five to seven yards for the average the average LPGA player. And they say they're saying five to y- five or less yards for the recreational player, which people think that that doesn't matter. That's going to matter whenever you're you're all of a sudden carrying bunkers at your home course by two yards, and now all of a sudden you're plugging in the lip and making two shots higher because of some stupid fallback rule. So you look at it and you say on the surface, Woody, that it's not that much. But like I said, if you want to make the ball shorter for the elite players, we would have had to find some way to go about it. And I think they realized this is too complicated to try to have two different sectors of the golf ball. So they said, we're just going to make it for every person. And I think that's literally the worst thing that golf needs right now. It is the worst thing that golf needs right now. But here's a perfect example. They should have, it should have been doing something a long time ago, guys. It, it's like when you guys have kids, do me a favor. When you have children, you start raising children, boy, you better teach them early how to behave because if you don't, they'll be out of control when they get older, okay? And that's what this golf ball is. Why didn't we think about this? Uh, Jack Nicholas has been complaining about this for 20 years, guys. Why didn't they start trying to do something back then? Why did they wait? this long and why why are they after the amateur golfer quit going after the amateur golfer their golf's bigger now than it's been a long long time COVID helped in a big way but the fact that the golf ball goes further and straighter than it's ever gone has helped them increase amateur golfers playing the game people coming out and playing the game 
Now we're going to go, yeah, well, we're having too much fun doing that. Now we're going to do this and we're going to run it. And, oh, it's frustrating. Good Lord, this is frustrating. I, I don't I don't know what kind of crack they're smoking, but I, I wish they'd, they'd quit. Look, guys, I mean, I've said this in the past on this very show when we've talked about this very subject, and my opinion hasn't changed whatsoever. Number one, what have the three highest finishing scores been over the last 10 years? What have the courses been? Olympic Club, Marion, and Shinnecock. Now, Shinnecock's a little bit longer than Olympic Club and Marion, but Marion was playing under 7,000 yards, fellas, and it had one of the three highest finishing scores in professional golf over the last 10 years. How did they do it? Tighter fairways, deeper rough, firmer greens, tucked pins, And obviously, when you throw in the weather factor, that's obviously going to make things a little bit tougher. But my point, fellas, is this ball rollback will affect shorter hitters more than it will affect longer hitters because the longer hitters who are used to hitting wedges into certain holes will now be hitting nine or eight irons into certain holes. The shorter hitters who are used to hitting eight irons into holes will now be hitting six irons into certain holes. That's a massive difference, especially when we start talking about proximity to the hole and scoring. And so, fellas, not only that, but my biggest issue with this entire thing is that I'm 28 years old and a lot of the stars on the PGA Tour are my age or younger. And we have never played with a balada ball or anything like that. It's been the modern golf ball and the modern drivers that we've played with our entire life. Now you are all of the sudden changing the golf ball in the middle of these guys who are in their primes, careers. And look, when are you going to change it? When a guy's in high school, he grows up playing with a normal ball his entire life. Now he's going to have to change sets of clubs when he goes to competitive golf, when he goes to college. It makes no sense because now guys are going to have to have two separate sets of clubs with the you know ball that goes a long ways and the ball that goes the shorter distance. You can't match that up unless you have the correct sets of clubs. You're totally screwing with not only junior golfers, you're screwing with the professional golfers who are in their primes right now, and you're really screwing the shorter hitters on the PGA Tour. Those guys are going to have longer clubs in the holes and thus not score as well. Oh, it's an absolute massive benefit for the longer hitters. Probably one of the reasons why Rory was such a big proponent of it, because like you said, it's, it's a numbers game, and when your percentages go down on something, it makes distance that much more valuable and so if you hit it further you're going to be on such a higher pedestal than you were before it's actually going to be quite telling to see how big it is and one thing you brought up sam is an excellent point that two-year gap between 2028 and 2029 before it becomes official for every single golfer in 2030 that's going to be utter chaos they're going to have no clue how you're going to want to do it you're going to have college players going to play a pro event and they're going to have to entirely change their equipment. They're going to have to have different shafts in their clubs. They're going to have different lofts on their clubs. It's going to be absolutely crazy to see how that part of it plays out. And just a couple of points I want to make here is 100% like Sam was saying earlier, it's all course setup when it comes down to what is actually important for the game of golf. And so instead of trying to find, was there 50 PGA Tour events a year? Let's find 50 courses where we can make fairways narrow, rough, long, and actually set up hard instead of punishing every single person that plays golf. It's absolutely ludicrous to me 
We're also taking advice from an organization who three years ago, maybe even sooner than that, I could not turn on the golf channel without seeing a USGA tee it forward commercial because people weren't hitting the ball far enough. And now all of a sudden we want to <laughs> dial the ball back. It's, uh, you, we talk about hypocrisy with, with the PGA Tour on lift. This is blows hypocrisy right out of the water. But my next question I have for y'all, and this is something that I've been thinking about pretty heavily really ever since this all started. The USGA to me is starting to get a similar vibe as like the NCAA does, where I truly don't understand why we need it. I don't understand how we can't have some other body that wants to, that could make the rules of golf. For example, if all the ball manufacturers and the PJ Tour, and I don't think Liv would even do it at this point. I think Faraday said that on one of his segments that they have on Liv. How can the USGA even go through with this? If the, if the ball manufacturers aren't going to make the ball, and the PJ Tour, who has all the big tournaments, and, and Liv too, all the big tournaments, isn't going to do it. How is the USGA and RNA, how are they going to do it? What, are they just going to have both their majors be an absolute joke because they won't allow the modern what would be a modern golf ball? That's the one thing I don't get is how does the USGA and RNA have this much power? Well, they, they've earned that power just over time. And that's, you know, we always talk about we have to have a certain body of golf to, to make the rules and to oversee the rules. And the, uh, the RNA and the USGA has always been there. The PGA of America has always done that from our standpoint of the club professionals and those types of people. But, Here's the, I guess here's the most crazy thing about this. This is long before your all's time, but there was at one point, the only time I can ever remember a ball issue was way back when, guys, in the British Open, you could play what they call the British ball. It was a little bit smaller than the American ball, okay? And a lot of guys, when they went to the British Open, would play that smaller ball, okay? And with that, they thought they were getting an advantage. Now, come to find out, it might not have been as big an advantage as everybody thought it was. But that's the only time I've ever seen a situation like this. And the RNA and the USGA got together at that point and said, hey, we need to just have one ball. We need to have a, one ball for everybody. We don't have a British ball and then an American ball. We got to have one ball. And that was the last time I've ever seen anything like this. This, I think, is going to be a cluster. I just don't know how they're going to do this. And I can promise you, we haven't even talked about it. If I'm a ball manufacturer, if I'm Titleist, TaylorMade, Callaway, uh, Bridgestone, Srixon, all these manufacturers of these golf balls, what's it going to cost for them to retool and to get all this where we can get a golf ball that's going to go a whopping uh, nine yards shorter. Whoop whoop. And it's not just them, <laughs> Woody. It's not just them. It's the you know golf stores, Golf USA, Golfsmith, all of it, Golf Galaxy. All of those companies yeah. will be against this. Well, they should be because what are we going to do with all the balls we got, Sam? <laughs> I don't know. What, what are what, <laughs> what are we going to do with the balls? <laughs> <laughs> we got too many balls, Woody. <laughs> we got wave balls, and we got balls everywhere. We got balls in the air, balls on the ground, balls everywhere. So <laughs> we can't. I mean, this is this is Merry Christmas, Hallelujah! It, it is going to be a, a, a just a cluster, like I said. I, I I don't know what people are thinking when they come up with these ideas. I really do not. And what shocks me about all of this is that we haven't even talked big picture yet. We've talked on the golf course how it'll affect the PGA Tour players and the amateur golfers of the world. 
I don't understand why the RNA and the USGA wants to do this, considering over the past decade, golf has now surpassed baseball as the third most popular sport TV viewership-wise in the United States. What makes golf so exciting now? We're hitting it farther, and it's more exciting to watch, fellas. That's part of it, not just the PGA Tour and live debate. That, yeah, probably factors into it a little bit as far as people being entertained by the game of golf. There's good and bad guys now in the game of golf, but also guys are hitting it farther. Why is Bryson DeChambeau such a star? It's because he hits it far, and everyone like Rory McIlroy to John Rahm to Brooks Kepka, they hit it far, and that makes golf exciting. I don't understand why... They are wanting to diminish the product that they've built over this past decade that's obviously been successful. Now, the third most popular sport in America, T-Dub. Why are you trying to ruin that? There's a quote that gets said in baseball all the time that will stand the test of time. And it is, chicks dig the long ball. Everyone wants to see the ball go far. When we were at the PJ Championship Southern Hills and at Liv Tulsa at Cedar Ridge, Everyone gathered around the longest hitters because they wanted to see the ball hit very high and fly very far. Because guess what? Everyone can go out and make a 30-foot putt that breaks. Even people can go out and hold a wedge from 100 yards. Almost everyone can hit a shot over 100 yards, which means that they can eventually hold it. Very few people can hit a golf ball 320 yards in the air that absolutely launches at a 15-degree angle when comes in like a heat-seeking missile. People cannot do that. And now you want to take that away? I cannot tell you how many little kids I saw at both those events. Just an absolute awe of the golf ball flying. And now you want it to go out there like a little feather and just float out there and not go anywhere? It's <laughs> absolutely crazy to me that that is what, what we're resorting to. And then Woody mentioned this earlier, talking about how the organizations that have earned it. The PGA of America, he talked about they've come out. They're against it. The PGA Tour's come out. They're against it. It's so clear they, all you have to do is listen. Obviously, the recreational players against it. I guarantee you, eighty-five, at least eighty-five percent of people are against this change, which leads to the question of: if that's going to be the case, and that many people are upset at the decision, how can we not adopt a new a new way of the rules as you want to get it to? Now we go right now. You go to a golf course, right, and you're going to play your little local money game with your group. Everyone's under the assumption you're going to play under USGA rules. And like you said, like Woody said, they've earned that right. But at the same time, why does it have to be like that? If they're going to, if their rules are going to be stupid, as they really have been throughout the course of time, we don't. The rules are so complicated now; it's an absolute joke. And now they're going to come on top of it and do the worst equipment decision I've ever thought could have been possible. Besides going back to making everyone play with wooden clubs would be about the only thing worse than this. Is why do we have to listen to them, Woody? That's my question. Why are we going to listen to the idiots? <laughs> well, sounds like a revolt to me. Uh, well, I, you know what though, I'm lucky, guys. I'm I'm too old to worry about it. They can roll that thumb and go back as far as they want. I don't get anywhere anyway. So, <laughs> you know what? I don't play in golf tournaments anymore. But I hate to think that this is going to take away from the game that's growing at such a great pace. And what Sam said, we're the third most watched uh, sporting events now. It's mind boggling to me. So. Everything's going really pretty good, so let's screw it up. Well, I, you know, I don't know why people do these things. I, I've, I've lived on life on this world a lot longer than you guys have, but I've watched it over and over again. Everything's too good. Yeah, let's screw it up. 
So what and that's you, what they're going to do, and uh, there we go. Woody, I got to ask you, because T-Dub and I have no clue. We never played with a Bolada-like ball. I would assume that the ball would have to be softer if they're going to do this, and, you know, it's oh, going to create yeah. more, yeah. Uh, you know, tee shots in the rough because of the side spin. Oh. Obviously, side spin doesn't actually exist that we've now found out with TrackMan, but you get what I'm saying, that there, it's going to create more oh. spin on the ball, and thus, when guys swing really, really hard, is it going to actually make these... Uh, we talk about it affecting shorter hitters more than longer hitters, but will you see more longer hitters in the rough with this? What What do you think? Do you think how do you think this is well, going to actually it, affect people? And what was it like playing with the Bolatas back in the day? Well, what we used to play with guys was a joke. I mean, compared to what you got now, I mean, it's not even close. I mean, we used to always have a joke. We'd carry a top light in our bag and we'd carry our titles Pilatas in our bag. And when you really wanted to hit it far, you'd hit a top flight because it was a solid rock of a ball. It felt like crap when you hit it, but it went forever. That didn't have any spin. So it landed on the green and kind of roll out a little bit, but you played that Pilata ball because you could curve it. You know, we had something on woods. We used to play with guys. I'm dating myself. I know, but it's called bulge and roll. Those wooden clubs y'all laugh at, they actually had a design on them, the face, so that we could curve the golf ball. Golf was a lot more fun and challenging when I played back when I was your all's age because you could really make a ball move. I mean, you could turn that sucker. It didn't just go like what 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 T-Dub was saying, like missiles. It, it went out there, and you could move that golf ball around. It didn't go very far. I mean, I, I told you guys when I was on tour in the early 90s, I drove the ball further when I turned 50 than I did when I was 31. Wow. You think that golf ball and club doesn't make a difference? Okay. So they can't go back to what I played with, Sam. You want to talk about, well, we'd have to start all over. We wouldn't have any of these guys that could play probably. I don't know. I say that. The good ones can play with anything, but you don't want to do it. You do not want to do it. And in 12 to 15 yards, I just don't. How about we just stop at where it is right now? Can we just do that? Can we just not let it go any further? If we don't let it go any further, it's what you said, Sam. There's many golf courses out there. That a lot of them, they take the driver out of Rory McIlroy's hands, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? If he wants to hit driver, he's going to try to hit it in a 10-yard area, and he thinks he can do it, go for it. If he if you can't, don't do it. So, so that brings my guys, question. To I, I got to ask you this, Woody. That brings me to this question is, do you think golf right now is diminishing the authenticity of what these courses were meant to be? And do you think that I that matters? Not. I do not. You know, we saw one change at Oak Tree National that made all the difference in the world. We didn't make it longer. We made a few holes longer. I know Everett, Everett found some tee boxes I didn't even know existed. We made a few holes longer, but what did we do? We changed the green surface, and did it get harder, Sam? It got way harder because firmer greens, longer rough, that's what makes courses harder. Distance doesn't really do anything anymore. No, it's not. It doesn't, and you can. that's all you need. There's still so many great golf courses around this country that could withstand what the golf ball is doing right now. I do think it's not a, a, an unrealistic thing for me to say what I just said. How about you just stop it? Don't let it go any further. How about that? Can you do that for me, USGA and RNA? If they can do that, what would be wrong with just stopping how far it goes right now? 
everybody hits it far, great. That's cool. It's fun to watch. Everybody's happy about it. Amateurs are playing more. Let's just not let it go any further, okay? Yeah, exactly. T-Dub, any thoughts on that as far as the integrity of these golf courses? Well, I think the thing the USGA is scared of is someone like a Kyle Berkshire, who's a long drive guy. Eventually, there's going to be a lot more people that swing upwards of speeds like his. And the average PGA Tour speed has increased over the last 20 years substantially. And so it's going to, I feel like, keep going in that way. And I think that's what the USGA is worried about, of the, the higher swing speeds going too far. As far as what the actual ball will do, everything that Woody said is exactly spot on. And a few other things is that, it's for especially around here in Oklahoma, the wind is going to have a massively more impact on, a, on that feather of a ball than it does now. So the average golfer gets to look forward to that. As you're alluding to, a lot more missed fairways because of the, of the spin that is occurring. And a lot of people, because Sam, you brought up a great point, the track man has shown that we really don't have side spin on the ball anymore. And people probably listening are like, well, how my ball damn sure side spins. It goes off into the trees every time. So what are you talking about? Well, it's the fact of the, the ball spins on an axis is what it does. So it has backspin, but it depends on where the axis is. So whenever you hit the ball on the side of it, the axis shifts. And now all of a sudden, instead of the axis being vertical, it's now horizontal, which is why the ball goes that way. So it's not necessarily side spin. It's just the, the, the axis of the tilt of it. So that is very much something to look forward to. And then here's a question that, or a point that I want to make about all this, because the USJ seems to be focusing mainly on PGA Tour tournaments. And just think about this. How many tournaments are played on an annual basis where the golf course is tipped out? Where you play just the absolute furthest back, the longest the golf course could possibly be. Is it 2% of tournaments? I doubt it. Maybe 1% of tournaments are actually played legit tipped out. Even sometimes at higher college tournaments, you don't see the course fully tipped out. They're going to have a few tee boxes up. And even on the PGA Tour, you'll see it where weather comes into play. A hole may be into a 20-mile-an-hour north wind, so they move. The tees up very rarely is a course all the way maxed out to where it wants to be. So you have your occasional situations. Like, for example, number 12 at Southern Hills. It's still a great hole, but now saw the PJ Championship where these guys can just take it over that left corner now, drive it almost to the creek shore of the green, turn it into a little flip wedge. When the integrity of the hole used to be you had to lay back back of the bunkers, hit a long iron in from the right side, made it tricky. So in a perfect world, would you like to see a hole like that stay, keep its integrity in place? Yes. But at what cost, though? At the cost of every single player hitting the ball shorter? It just seems like a classic, what do you, would you, that's the problem. Everyone looks at what would be better for this little situation and doesn't understand the trickle-down consequences that come from it. And now the USGA came to the conclusion of, let's just screw every single person that plays golf is mind-blowing to me. And I think they screwed themselves because I think if it does stay in place, I think before too long we will not be abiding by USGA rules. What we got to realize is, Golf is golf gotten where it's no fun to watch because we're hitting it so far. No, no, I haven't. I haven't quit watching golf because somebody could drive the ball 360 yards off the tee. Okay, because they've still got to get it in the hole. I've watched Rory McIlroy hit a ball 360 yards, get a wedge in his hand, and then dump in a bunker. Okay, <laughs> that's right. He's not. He's not shooting. They're not shooting scores that are outrageously low. The one thing the ball has done, though, that has changed golf, it's not that they're shooting it that much lower. The winning scores are a little bit lower, but it's how many guys are piled up within five shots of the winning score. That is what this golf ball change has always been. 
it's created a guy that maybe was a really good player or a decent player into a better player than what he should be. The ones that used to play with that old crummy ball we had, it was Jack Nicholas, it was Arnold Palmer, it was Fred Couples. I wouldn't go through the names. Those guys could play with a rock and beat me. They're better than I was. They're more talented. You've always got that. You've always got a certain level player that no matter what you do with the ball or the equipment, they're still going to shine, okay? Don't pick on the average American golfer. The amateur golfer, the guy that plays the municipals at his country clubs, wherever he is, don't pick on him. Please don't do it because you're going to ruin the game. And then we're all going to go, boy, was that a dumb mistake? Yeah, we will. Yeah, and you're just ruining the excitement of the game. I mean, the most exciting holes in major championships over the past few years. Just take Southern Hills, for instance. It was the drivable par four 17th hole, and you're just taking yep. some excitement out of the game. Woody, I know you got to go, so last thing I got for you here, Doug Ferguson, writer for the Associated Press, reported that Keegan Bradley tested a Strixon ball that would meet the proposed rollback standards, and he was flying it 40 to 50 yards shorter. And that's not what the USGA is saying is going to happen. So my question to you, last question before you get out of here, is Is it possible for the USGA to actually get this right? No, it is not. It is not possible for them to get it right. Sam, it's not. You can... You can you can only control the ball so much to try to make it go shorter and tell us that it's going to go just this many yards shorter. I don't see it. There's not a chance they can do it. No, they cannot. What do you have a good one out in Arizona? Where are you at? What course are you All playing? All right, guys. Uh, we are playing a Nota Begay's golf course called Sowello. Sam played it in college. He can tell you stories about it when I'm gone and I'm going down to dinner, but, uh, no, it was beautiful out here, guys. Today was about seventy-five degrees, no wind. I actually sweated. <laughs> That's beautiful, especially in the month of December. Uh, have a good dinner, Woody, and enjoy it. it. All right. All right, boys. Have a good show. All right. See you see later. Me. That's Jim Woodward, teaching professional out at Oak Tree National. Uh, T Dub, back to what I asked Woody, talking about. Keegan Bradley, ironically, Rory McIlroy's teammate on his TGL Boston Common Golf Team. Keegan's extremely against the golf ball rollback and basically said one of the reasons why he's against it is he used one of these balls that the USGA is proposing that Strixon made up for him, and he said he was hitting it 40 to 50 yards shorter. I'll ask you the same question I asked Woody. Can they get it right? The problem is that Pandora's box has already been open. We already hit the ball what the USGA would deem too far and what they want. So why do we want to try to reverse time right now? You look at the course of history. Anytime you try to go back to the way something was after the Pandora's box has been opened, it never works out. And it's not going to work out this time. What needs to happen for the game of golf is the USGA and RNA need to say, all right, there's enough people who do not like this or not going to want to do this. So we're just not going to do it. That's what needs to happen for the game of golf. If the ball manufacturers, BGA Tour, all these entities, realize the power that they have, and they could say, we're just plumb not going to do this. This is not going to be good for the game of golf. The ball manufacturers say it's not going to be good for business. It's not good for business whatsoever because less people will – I guarantee you less people will play golf if they hit the ball shorter. That is what people – I don't understand how the USGA and RNA do not see that. Less people will play golf if they do this, and that is the last thing we need in golf right now, the last thing that can happen. 
So, yeah, it, there's no way they can get this right. The only way they can get it right, Sam, is that they shut the door on it and say, we messed up. We should have done this 15 years ago. We didn't. There's nothing we could do now. Let's find out better alternatives than ruining the game of golf for almost everyone that plays. I can already see the handwriting on the wall of what's going to happen, T-Dub. It just seems like it's too hard for all of these companies to get it right. Then you're going to have one company that's better than the other, that the ball goes a little bit farther than everyone else. All these pro players are going to go to whatever it may be, Titleist, and all of these pros are going to leave the Bridgestones and the Srixons, Callaway, whatever it may be, just hypothetically. And then all of a sudden, you're ruining not only amateur golf, but you're ruining golf companies as well. And we didn't even get into the whole golf galaxy, golf smith, all of that that you're ruining as well. Well, you have to think about from this perspective, too, as you said, if this does come to fruition, there's going to be an arms race to figure out who can make the best feather of a golf ball. And so what does that occur to? means every ball manufacturer is going to be pumping in hundreds of as much money as they can for R&D research and development to figure out how we're going to make this ball better. How's Tyler's going to make this ball just as good as they did the original Pro V1 and not make it go 50 yards shorter than that? So now the, the ball manufacturers are spending an abundance of cash to try to figure out how to make this, this lightweight feather of a thing that's going to be an absolute joke for golf. And then as I, an analogy I made earlier, which is absolutely going to happen, Golfers now do not realize how much of a difference a yard or two makes. What's the classic quote in golf? It's a game of inches. So when you're talking about the average golfer using three to five yards, that's absolutely massive. Now all of a sudden you're going to have an 18 handicap who hits the ball in the water six times around, maybe seven or eight. And now that one time that they clear the water by a yard and they're super happy, it's not going to fly into the pond and they're going to have to drop back again. So now they're going to lose 10 to 11 golf balls instead of seven to eight. Yeah, that sounds really enjoyable, Sam. That sounds like a smart thing for the future of golf. Oh, I think we've covered it all. I think that we both realize that this is just going to be a cluster or a shitstorm, for lack of a better term, T-Dub. And as I, I mentioned this earlier in the first segment, the impact that this will have on the game of golf versus what the PGA Tour live merger would, I think is astronomically more in the sense of this ball rollback could, will change golf forever if this is what it does. And it's not going to change in a good way. And the, the fear that I have is I do not see one scenario, not literally not one, where if this ball rollback happens, it actually makes golf better. And can someone tell me a way that it does make golf better? Because we might be able to play three more courses throughout the year on the PJ Tour schedule at the consequence of making every single other player's golf experience a lot more miserable. And also, too, I said this earlier, why are we going to listen to the idiots? It's clear the USGA and RNA are making an idiotic decision. Why are we going to listen to them? I just That's the main thing it. I want to know. I just why don't do we get have it. to listen to I their stupid? <laughs> I completely agree. I just don't get the fact that Marion, a course that played under 7,000 yards, Olympic Club, a course that is really short as well, and those have two of the top three highest scores over the past decade in professional golf. It has nothing to do with distance. Speaking of storms, T-Dub, let's dive into the PNC father-son this weekend. There's a chance that the PNC might not happen this weekend or it might be cut short because the weather forecast for the PNC is looking brutal. Saturday now forecasted to receive upwards of an inch of rain. We'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, it'll be an absolute shame if it does get washed out. The forecast is not looking promising whatsoever only a saturday sunday deal they do have the pro-amp on friday so if you're golf nuts like us and want to see a little bit of, of golf you can definitely tune in to that 
just as it always does have some pretty good teams that are playing at John Daly and John Daly. Two are playing. You have Bernhard Langer's playing. You have a lot of classic names like uh, David Duvall's playing. You have Annika's playing. Nick Faldo, Tom Lehman, Lee Trevino, Marco Mirafurek, Padraig Harrington, Nick Price. Then you have some of the teams that are kind of the cream of the crop. You have Justin Thomas and his dad, Mike Thomas. You have Tiger and Charlie. Obviously, you're going to steal the show if they do get into to play. And then you have a, a new addition this year. You have Steve Stricker playing with his daughter who plays college golf, and I believe Wisconsin is where she plays at. So that's going to be a pretty formidable team there if they are able to get it in, Sam. I really do hope Speaking that of we playing can just have the forward, golf say, right, let's just play forward? <laughs> oh, Sam, the, the team that she's going to play from, it's going to make it an absolute joke. She might actually need this feather of a golf ball to make it somewhat fair from the team <laughs> that she's going to get to play. She might be driving some of these holes. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, it's uh, – a lot of things going on here. Hopefully the golf gods will just shine some light and say, hey, let's just get three to four hours of golf in. Just create a little bit of a window there. That'd be nice. But unfortunately, it doesn't look like that. That'll be the case. If you are a gambling degenerate, this is from Bet Online. Uh, team Thomas, Team Stricker, and Team Woods all are the favorites for this golf tournament at plus 500. You got Team Daly at plus 550. Then it drops down to Team Singh and Team Sink. Also, you can bet on Team Trevino or Team Faldo at plus 25,000. Um, any thoughts on the odds if you're interested in betting on uh, Charlie Woods, who's what, like 14, 15 years old? Yeah, that's the next level of degeneracy there. But let's go ahead and go talk about hard on money on a 15-year-old <laughs> who just won. Uh, it was like the five-man on a high school state championship team. Yeah, let's go ahead and go throw my money on him and just feel like your soul isn't just on absolute fire for doing that but anytime there's money to be made Sam, you might as well do it i will say this is probably not the tournament to go for the massive long shot because some of these guys like the like the some of the older players they're out there just to have a good time and enjoy time with their son they're not necessarily going to be grinding it out on the last few holes to see if they can turn in a great score the format is scramble for both rounds so it's not necessarily we're not throwing an alternate shot or anything like that it's not going to be a, a grind fest out there for these guys it's more of enjoyable experience spend some time with your family tiger says it's, ever since charlie's been able to play it's been a really great experience for him and rightfully so and i think that it would take a tiger to be in a wheelchair for him not to play this tournament with charlie going forward so hopefully as i mentioned earlier the rain the golf rain gods will give us a little bit maybe at least one day to get to see a little bit of more tiger and then we can get a little bit of a preview for 2024 what's to come so hopefully we do get to see it. it's a cool event that goes on every year, and it'll be interesting to see if they do play, and if they do play, who comes out on top. Like you said, the PNC starts on Friday, right? Or is that the Pro-Am on Friday? Pro-Am is Friday, and then the Pro-Am on Friday is on Peacock from noon to 2.30. That's actually, that's Eastern time, so for Oklahoma, it'll be from 11 to one thirty, and then yes it's on saturday and then sunday it's only a two-day affair on the golf channel as well on saturday and sunday uh obviously those tee times might change given the forecast for the weekend t-dub we covered a lot did we miss anything during this show uh one thing that's going on that we didn't talk about is that q school is going on final stage down at uh tpc it's at the dyes valley course and then at sawcrest country club it starts thursday through Sunday. Each each player will play two rounds at each course. The top top five in ties will get PJ Tour membership, which is something that hasn't been the case 
for a long, for the last how many ever years. Then the next 40 and ties after that will get Corn Ferry status. So a lot riding on the line this week, Sam, for a lot of players out there. It's a shame that Woody had to leave on us because I would love to ask him just talk a little bit more about Q School because I know on this show he's mentioned numerous times that of all the experiences that he's had in the game of golf, that was by far the most nerve-wrenching, and rightfully so because it's going to determine what you do for a full count of year going forward. So a lot riding on those 72 holes, Sam, and I hope that we do have a few local guys down there. Hopefully they can earn their, at least earn some corn fairy status and maybe get top five and get the PJ Tour status. No doubt about it. And speaking of GolfOklahoma.org, you can go to GolfOklahoma.org and see the story they wrote on the local guys in the finals of Corn Ferry Tour School. You got Garrett Reband, Chris Ventura, Brendan Jelly, Grant Hirschman, Zach Boshu, who also just played in that Live Promotions event, and then Josh Creel as well. I don't know, is Boshu actually playing in the final stage of Corn Ferry School since he played in that Live thing? Is that legal? <laughs> That's a really good question. Is it legal? I'm sure the tour would find some way to say no, you would not be able to play. I don't have the full field list in front of me. I just have kind of the top names on here. So I don't know if Boshu is playing or not. I will say that if, he, if they found some way to keep him out, it would be an absolute shame on it. I know that much. Zach Boshu, he is currently listed in the field. So hopefully he can go out and get him a PJ Tour card. Very, very good. We'll keep you updated on how that goes and the PNC father-son next week. And I'm sure that some other crazy news is going to break throughout this next week in the game of golf at the rate we're going at. Everyone have a happy holidays from us here at the 73rd hole next week. We are also bringing you the holies. And if you don't know what that is, it's our golf version of the ESPYs that you were not going to want to miss next week on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. T-Dub, thank you. Woody, thank you. This has been Sam Humphreys on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf. <laughs>